Uh, my name is Earl. For those of you who are here for the first time, my beautiful wife and I uh, had the honor to start Shoreline City along with uh, two kids at the time. Now we've got our three and a handful of other families started this beautiful church uh, just about 10 years ago. And it's been miraculous and beautiful to see all that God has done over the years. And now you are here today and we're glad to have you here. And I hope that you feel incredibly loved because you really, really are. So if no one has told you that today... Or this year, you need to know you got a bunch of people that genuinely care about you. I wanted to take out a couple of moments and just connect with you. We're going to open up the Bible here just a little bit as we are celebrating Good Friday. Now, I know we've got some people still getting their food over in the line over there and some kids with their pinwheels, so I won't talk your ear off, but I am, I am wondering how many families here have a dog? How many families have a dog? Have, wow. Wow. Okay. This is a question for the dads. Uh, dads, who takes care of the dog? Is that you or the kids? Yeah, you. Uh, and if you don't have kids, maybe just maybe mom, you're the only one taking care uh, of the dog. My kids are wanting a dog. And Parker, we're not getting one, okay? <laughs> Been telling my kids over and over and over again. They are pressuring me to get a dog. Uh, my wife is online right now. I love you so much, honey, and hello to everybody else who's online right now. My wife has terrible allergies, so she's like, honey, I'll, I'll try to go, and she was not gonna be able to handle being out here at the Arboretum, uh, but I love you so, so much. But she, too, is pressuring me to get a dog, and I'm saying I'm not going to do it because I know I will be the one taking care of that dog. And my kids right now are excited about it, but I'm not doing it. So there is like this constant disappointment uh, in our house. They're, they're, they're begging for a dog. They want a dog. I know it's not going to happen. Now, all of us in here, no matter your age, you could be in grade school, you could elementary school, middle school, you could be a grandparent. All of us understand disappointment. All of us at some point in time have been disappointed for some reason or another. Some of you might be sitting next to your disappointment right now. Uh, no elbows, no elbows. <laughs> shouldn't have said yes. I shouldn't have said yes. But, but with the disappointment, we're going to take some time out now, and we're going to walk through uh, uh, an event in the Bible that has a lot of disappointment in it. A lot of frustration, a lot of tears, a lot of pain, uh, but it, it all turns around in the end, like I believe God wants to do in all of our lives. Uh, so if you are taking notes, and some of you might be, or you want to remember what we're talking about today, the, the title that I put on this was, Not What I Expected. Not What I Expected. If you go with me to John chapter 11, Verse number three, the Bible starts off and it's telling a story about one of Jesus' friends. And this friend ends up sick. It, his, this man's name was Lazarus and he ends, up, he ends up sick and his sisters send a text message to Jesus. And they send a text message and um, I think the text message was blue, definitely not green, because I think Jesus would have had an iPhone. That's just... That's just my thoughts. That's just my thoughts. And we forgive all of you who make our mass texts go green. We forgive you. When somebody loves it and then the whole text shows up and says they love the whole text, we can't stand that. But they send a text message and they say, hey, Jesus, 
our brother is sick. And you pick it up here in verse number three. Again, they just like I said, Jesus, our brother is sick. And then verse number four, Jesus uh, tells everyone, just so you know, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Jesus says it clearly. I know my friend is sick, but this sickness will not end in death. You skip down a couple verses, verses 5 uh, and 6, and it says that Jesus loved Lazarus, so he stayed where he was a couple of more days. He loved Lazarus, but he still stayed where he was. This seems to be a little bit of a contradiction. Jesus loves his friend, cares for his friend. Why would he not get up right away and go see his friend? Why would he stay? And I recognize that some of us might feel we're in a season in life where people are telling us God loves us, but it seems like he's not moving as fast as we would want him to. Some of us, under the sound of my voice, are trusting God for a spouse, or you can't for the, wait for the day that you have a child, or you're in the adoption process and this has been taking forever, or maybe you have a friend or a, a loved one who's battling some terminal sickness and it just seems like it's taking forever. And there can be massive amounts of disappointment that can rest on our shoulders. If you have lived life for any period of time, you have experienced this tension, this pain, I'm letting you know unequivocally that God does love you, that he is for you, that this is a day that we celebrate that his one and only son got on the cross for every single one of us and Jesus died for all of our sins. His love is real. He displayed that on the cross. But it doesn't mean he still doesn't seem to just wait. That he seems to sit it seems like he could move a lot faster. Sometimes it even feels like he's moving a lot faster in other people's lives and not in our life. Sometimes it feels like everyone else is getting the opportunity and every door is closing on us. Sometimes it feels like everybody else's family is moving forward, but you're still stuck in neutral. Here it is. Jesus loves him, but he still stays. So skip down with me, though. Jesus waits a couple more days. And if you go all the way down to verse number 14, and I'll put it on the screen for you, it says this. John chapter 11, verse number 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Wait. I thought in verse 4, he said this sickness would not end in death. Well, why is he now saying Lazarus is dead? He already told us that this sickness was not going to end in death. But then he waits a couple of days and now his friend has died and Jesus knows this. He tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I wrestled with this. It seems like Jesus is contradicting himself. It seems like he was on one side, then he's going to another side. It seems a little bit confusing. And then I realized, 
I think Jesus looks at the end and looks at death differently than I do. I realized that when Jesus makes a promise, he cannot lie. So if he says, if the end of a situation right now in your life looks different than the promise that Jesus made to you, I just need you to know the end that you think is the end must not actually be the end because Jesus can never go back on a promise that he makes for me and you. If the end looks like the end, it must just be the end of a chapter, but not the end of a story. And I know in my life, time and time again, I have felt moments like this must be the end of the story. Like everything must be over. Some of you have felt this with a divorce that maybe you walked through. Maybe your parents, you heard them arguing and they ended up getting a divorce and you were a little kid and you're living in one house for one week and living in another house for another week. Or maybe some of us have carried some other weights and pressures or some debts on our shoulders and we feel like life is about to end. It must be over. But I just want you to pause for a second and remember you're still here. I just want to pause for a second and remember that you still have breath in your lungs. And the very thing that you thought might take you out, for whatever reason, God has given you grace and strength to continue to put one foot in front of the other. That his grace was still able to carry you all the way to this point. So even when you and I think this is the end, it's over. Nothing can turn out for good with this situation. God in his grace and his mercy, even through pain, figures out a way to say this is not the end of the story. So Jesus now travels. He hops in his Tesla. I don't know. I'm thinking he would be environmentally friendly. <laughs> he hops in his Tesla and heads down to Bethany. And he gets there. And in verse number, it's verse 18, we discover that Jesus was not all that far from Bethany. Like he was just two miles away. Two miles away from his friend. We're at White Rock Lake right now for everybody who's online. We're at White Rock Lake and White Rock Lake is, I think, is it nine miles around? It's about nine miles, nine and a half miles around. Uh, I've only done it on bike and I wish I wouldn't have. <laughs> no, it, it feels good to get out and go around and I do want to give a shout out to all the grandmas and grandpas who are on your bike passing me all the time, snickering. Just so you know, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> And if I was clipping in, I'd beat you. But I, I'm afraid to clip in. I'm afraid to clip in. This lake is nine and a half miles around. Jesus is only two miles away. You can walk two miles. You can, get two, two, you can complete two miles in no time. But Jesus waits. He shows up, and there is a lot of commotion, as you might imagine. In verse number 18, it says this. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. The brothers passed away, and I want to focus in on there's a bunch of beautiful people that have come there to comfort them. 
People that left their home, left their comforts, to go to Mary and Martha and say, we'll be with you while your brother is going through, well, since your brother has just passed. We'll be by your side. We'll cry tears with you. You can rest your head on our shoulders. We'll stay here as long as we need to stay here just because we care. And this honestly made me pause and think about so many of you. Uh, shout out to Shoreline City, uh, and I, I love you so much, church, because I feel like this is the type of church you are, that you're willing to sit with people when they're going through times of difficulty and pain. And I'm thankful for every single church in our community that's like that as well. It's beautiful when a family has lost a loved one or they're going through some difficulty and people rally around. But today, we also were really mindful that, that there's a lot of frontline workers in the health industry that have put their lives on the line over and over and over again to be a guard and a protection for all of us. And we just wanted to say a huge thank you to all of our medical professionals, all the nurses and doctors and administrators. Thank you so much. This past couple years has been cray cray, all right? It has been wild. Been trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And so many people have still had to show up to work and they have had to be there and walk and sit with people during their times of loss. Now, a lot of us, we maybe not, did not deal with the effects of this virus as much as maybe someone else. And maybe some of us have and you're, you're still grieving the loss of a loved one or maybe you still have a cough that hasn't left. But, but a lot of us, maybe we did not really feel the effects of this. It reminds me of our, our armed forces all the men and women who, break, who serve so fearlessly. And they can be on the front lines right now in another country. And they feel the effects of war. And you and I are at home and we're thinking about Luca and hopefully his calf is gonna be okay for game number one. And that's where our brains are. But there are some people in the armed forces right now that are putting their lives on the line. And, and when you talk to these men and women, you say, Wow, thank you for your sacrifice. So it is with the medical professionals. We just wanted to say a big thank you for your sacrifice. And we've actually got a number of them here with us today. And I want to invite them up, all these beautiful individuals from Parkland Hospital that are here today. Beth and Sheila and Kathy and Karen and Kelly and others. Come on up here, my friends, and give these... and give them all a big old round of applause. Love you so much. All these beautiful medical professionals have taken time to, uh, to put their lives on the line. Carol Lee down here is an infectious disease doctor. She's a part of our church family as well. She's awesome and amazing. But all of you now are part of our family, too, so you're stuck with us. You're stuck with us. Uh, these men and women up here represent a whole bunch of other people. And uh, we reached out to Parkland Hospital and just said, hey, is there anything that we can do as a church to be a support and a strength and a blessing to you? 
because you've been a support and a strength and a blessing to this community. And my wife uh, and I have had the opportunity to sit down with a number of medical professionals or talk with them at church. And some people are still dealing with a little bit of PTSD because they saw way more bodies than they wish they ever would have seen. And they had to sit and mourn with more families than they ever have ever had to in their entire lives. And we just wanted to figure out how can we, how can we be a support and a strength. So we, we found out Parkland has a foundation. And, uh, and we as a church family are going to give uh, to a couple of these, these foundations. The first one is the Public Health Preparedness Fund. And the next one is the Workplace Resilience Fund. And that provides spiritual and emotional counseling to the Parkland staff working on the front lines of patient care. Nancy Raymond, bring out this check for me, please. So Shoreline City, a big thank you to you. You can give it to them. A check for $20,000 just to say, hey, thank you so much for all you have done to be a support and a strength and a blessing to us. We, you need to know you've got an entire army of people here online and in the room that have your back, are praying God's blessings on you and your team, and we're believing that you're going to come through this with flying colors, that your hearts would be filled with more joy and peace than you could ever possibly imagine, and you would experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ in a very real and tangible way. Thank you for what you do. Give them another huge round of applause, my friends. Thank you. Y'all can make your way back to your seats. And don't try to bring that check to the bank. Won't actually, won't actually cash. We're gonna wire the money, that's what we're gonna do, gonna wire it. But I do wanna say thank you to our church that you keep on being generous. Because our church family is so generous, we are able to be generous uh, in our community as well and all around the world. Let me get ready to end this here. Uh, they are, they're, they're crying, right? They're in verse 19 and there's tears and they're trying to be a support and a strength. There's heaviness in the air. There's loss in the air. There's frustration. There's pain in the air. So much so that the shortest verse in the Bible, so if you want to memorize a Bible verse for that grandma of yours that's been telling you you need to get your behind back to church, you can tell her you got one verse memorized. John chapter 11, verse number 35. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It tells us that even though Jesus knows the end of the story, he does not ignore the pain of the present. It tells us that even though Jesus is going to do a miracle, that he's still willing to enter into the moment that you and I might be in. So if you are in any pain or frustration or disappointment right now, Understand that the God of heaven is not disconnected for you, but he's a very present help in times of trouble. That he is actually right here on this hillside and online saying, son, daughter, I have not forgotten about you. I have not uh, closed my ears to your prayers, but I'm interested in being present in every single moment. Jesus weeps. And after he weeps, he also has some haters. I just had to throw this in there. Look at verse 37 real quick. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man had kept this man from dying? Do you see even Jesus had trolls? They've been on Twitter, they've been on Instagram, they've been everywhere. 
and going all the way back to Jesus' day, here are some haters and trolls and naysayers. Listen, any time you're trying to do anything of significance, you can expect that there will be someone in your earshot or you'll be in earshot of that will try to say something to stop you from what God has put you on the earth to do. But I just want to encourage you, don't let them distract you from the destiny that Jesus Christ has put on your life. You keep moving forward. Okay, I'm about to be done here. Look at verse number 38. Man, you can come on out. Verse number 38. Jesus once more deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. I want you to see that there's death, there's pain, there's even a bad odor. But that doesn't make Jesus turn away. He steps into it. So if you are feeling like any of that in your soul... And if you have any friends or family members that think there's no way I can ever darken the doors of a church because I've got too much death, too much pain, and too much of an odor on my life, I just want you to remind them of this scripture that Jesus does not run from those things. As a matter of fact, he moves towards those things, and he has a promise even in the midst of it. He says this in verse number 40. He says, wow. He says, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I just want that to encourage your heart. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And some of us have lost our belief. Some of us have lost our hope. Some of us have lost that God can work a miracle in our lives. And I just want to pray today that the grace of Almighty God and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ would fill you and touch you from the top of your head to the very soles of your feet. That you would know today more than you've ever known that if you believe, you will see the very glory of God. You'll see the glory of God in your marriage. You'll see the glory of God in your thought life. You'll see the glory of God in your emotions. You'll see the glory of in your finances. You'll see the glory of God in your family. You'll see the glory of God over every aspect of your life. You'll see the glory of God in your home. You'll see the glory of God at your school or at your university. You'll see the glory of God in your single life or in your married life. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So then they step up Jesus isn't scared. In verse 42, he said, I know you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the standing here, that they may believe. And verse 43 makes it so, 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 so clear. This microphone instead. 
Check. All right. Verse 4. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. This man, go. I'll take both microphones. Let this man go. I cannot help but feel that some of us have some grave clothes. And I just want to announce to you that Jesus is calling you by name. And he's saying, come on out. Come on out, come on out, come on out. Can I, can I talk to followers of Jesus for just a second? Those who are followers of Jesus, but you've been complacent in your faith for far too long. I just want to say, come on out of that cave of complacency. Come on out, come on out, come on out. Those of you that have given up on church and given up on God and given up on what God can do in your life, just come on out of that gate, that, that, that cave, that crave. Come on out of it. I want you to know that God loves you and is for you and he's on your side and he is working in your life. And Jesus tonight is calling you by name saying, son, daughter, I see you. I know you and I don't want you staying in that cave forever. It's time for you to take the grave clothes off. But there's others of us that Jesus right now is not even first in your heart and your life. Sin and shame of this world has stained your soul. And if you're honest with yourself right now, you would say your heart is not in God's hands. He's not first in your life. He's not number one in your life. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not talking about you were baptized or confirmed at some point in time. I'm talking about, have you given your heart and your life over to Jesus? Have you made it first? Have you put him in charge of your life? And if you're under the sound of my voice, whether online or sitting on this beautiful hillside today, I'm going to ask all of us to do me a favor. Just bow your head for just a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have never given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, you've never made him first. You've never made him number one. You're even hearing this story and you're thinking about the disappointment that you have, but you, you're you, inside of your heart right now. There's butterflies going off. There's a fire in, in your chest and you know, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go the way of Christ. If that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus or at one point in time you did and you slipped away. And today you're saying, I want to give my heart and my life over to Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to do something simple, but something bold. I just want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes. That's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air. Yeah, friends, all over this hillside. You're putting your hands in the air. You're saying, yes, I want to give Jesus my heart, my life. I want to make him first. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me 
of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we clap our hands, family? Listen, 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 listen. We're about to do something that I don't know is going to be logistically possible, but we're going to try it anyway. We wanted to celebrate communion together as family. And we have stations set up. So those of you who are online right now, go grab some juice and grab some bread or some wine. And, and, and we're going to celebrate communion. And we've got these stations all over the place. We got some up front, don't we? Do we have some up front as well? Somebody wave at me. Tell me where all my stations are. Wave at me if I see stations. I got stations over here. I got stations over there. I got stations over there. I got stations over here. I got some stations in the back. What I want you to do is go grab the communion. You're gonna grab your communion. I want you to take it back to your seat. And we're gonna sing some songs over you that we're just about to be dismissed in just a little while. I wanted to take up some time to sing some songs about the grace and the power of God to wash over our hearts. What communion is, it's a celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That what he did for us on the cross is still good today. And what you're going to do is grab this and go back to your seat. I want you to pause and pray. I want you to remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. I don't want you just to skip by this moment. I want you as a family, maybe for the first time, grab hands and, and pray with each other. Say, hey, let's remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's put our faith in him afresh and anew as a family. Maybe you're here by yourself. You're a single person. You're saying, this is a moment. I'm saying, God, you can have my heart all over again. I don't want to go my own way. I want to go your way. I want to remember you not just in this moment, but every day of my life. Maybe parents, you have your kids with you today. Grab these communion elements. Pray with them. Have a moment of just pausing. Let's trust God for his grace to fill our hearts. Lord, I pray over these communion elements, over this bread and over this juice, that to our faith, today it would be body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ broken and shed for the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus name we pray amen